Welcome to Put a Bork in It. I am Leslie Bork. This podcast is to have honest conversations with interesting people in all spectrums of life. As an activist, I hope to spotlight the hard issues that affect society. I was a bit nervous to ask my first guest to be on the show. He is uh, near and dear to my heart in real life. He is Dylan Walsh. Um, a very talented actor, and he is also my guy, and the father of my two kids, Amelie Bell and Hudson Scott. We, uh, he is also known as D, and yes, in real life, he calls me L, D and L. Hello, baby. Hey. <laughs> Um, so if you're wondering why I was hesitant to ask him, it's because he normally doesn't like to do interviews unless he has a project to promote, uh, right? Yeah, that's true. I think a lot of actors are, are not comfortable when there's no, uh, there are no constraints, where there's no structure, because then you're just talking about yourself. It's just self-indulgent. Some people are very comfortable with that, but I'm not. I like to have a show or a movie, something I'm working on to talk about. So this is, you have me at my worst right now. Well, thank you for accepting. And um, Dylan and I met in Los Angeles at a gym called Equinox, but some of you may not know, he actually did a movie in Lafayette called Secretariat before we met, kind of a few months before we met. Um, Yeah, a few months before. And what was that experience like? You had been to New Orleans before, right? I'd been to New Orleans a bunch of times, handful of times, and this movie, Secretariat, shot in Lexington and Louisville, and then settled into Lafayette for a good six weeks, two months. Um, and it, because it was a horse movie, they had to they had to travel the circus, they called it, um, all around. So it was. Quite, it was like doing a war movie. It was very complex and, and logistically tr- tough. For the actors, we all just stayed here and had a great time. It was a huge cast, and uh, I got to know Lafayette. It was great. And that was a Disney film, right? It was a Disney film, yeah. So at this point, your claim to fame is uh, the TV show Nip Tuck. Would you say that? I would say most people, yeah. By and large, if they know me, they know me from that. Although I still get some stragglers from some, uh, would surprise you, uh, movies like Congo. Congo, yes, um, a lot of people know you from Congo. Some unforgettable fans out there. And, uh, you know, Stepfather and stuff like that. Yeah, it's interesting the people who stop us in the streets, which movie or TV show they refer you to. And it, it kind of, I remember you once telling me the different sections of the country kind of react to you different like in Chicago they're a little more um, sophisticated or you know whereas Lafayette they're kind of more aggressive they might tend to think they know you personally and and approach you differently yeah that's true Um, I I am me I'm kind of um, you know keep to myself quiet guy introvert And in a place like L.A. or New York, rarely do you have people actually come up to you and take time and ask for something like a photo or something like that. 
uh, they might look at you a little bit, or, or if they come up, they, they, and that's just because they're used to more actors in those two cities, and they're more used to it. Um, they're they're going to go through a little transition with you to see how you feel about them coming up. In a place like Lafayette, uh, and in many places in the country, if they see you, they really just immediately, uh, which is refreshing and, and really flattering, just want to tell you, you know, they, they like you from something. But also, they kind of take for granted that you're going to spend some time with them the way you do when they watch you on TV. <laughs> <laughs> We've had some interesting experiences just being in our daily life, you know, trying to get into a cab or putting the strollers, you know, taking them apart and, and people coming up to us and just getting really aggravated. Um, because we're not ready, we're not prepared, you're not prepared, and we're just trying to get through. Well, if I, and particularly if I'm with my kids and I'm actively with them, doing right, something right. or talking to them or, again, I, I, it's part of my personality. I mean, I can get a little prickly when, when somebody is taking for granted what I'm doing. But having said all that, I want to say it is, it is still very flattering and it's part of my career, part of what I do, mm -hmm. that there's an audience and you need an audience and you need people to care about what you do. And the last thing I want to do is turn people off. It's just that I guess this is my way of saying an apology is that sometimes I'm just not in that frame of mind. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because our kids actually now kind of get it when people look at you that that you're known and you're famous. Um, so I like, I like the way they respond now to that. Um, but how long did Niptock run for? About seven years. It was six and a half seasons for contract reasons. They called it six and a half, but really it was about a seven year yeah. and, journey. And it's been off for about eight years? Well, yeah, about, I guess I think it finished airing in 2010, yeah. So it's been off for that long and there's still a cult following. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and that's exciting and that, and you know, I, I'm grateful for that. So what was the one thing you took away from that whole experience? I mean, there was grueling hours and the people you met, the guest stars. Well, amazing. there was the day, I mean, I'd done a lot of work before that show. So, so the, the, in terms of just working and acting and what that was all about, that was still on a similar level to before, but what, what was different, and, and I still take with me, uh, is that the show took on a life of its own. I'd never been on anything or a part of anything where that had happened, and uh, it was like a wave, and you ride the wave, and it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, it was a little overwhelming. I was in my 40s, and you would think that I would have been mature enough to handle all that, but I was just like another, any other person. I was like a little kid, riding a wave. It was a lot of fun. When I met you, it was the last episode of Nip Tuck was airing, and you were kind of coming out of this bubble of awesomeness. Um, and then, how did, how did that affect your home life? Well, the hours or... or yeah, I mean, for seven years, I was consumed with it. I was away from home a lot. I was, I was uh, away from my kids. I had three kids. And um, it really does, uh, uh, it consumes you. And, and we traveled a lot to promote the show. So your next job was uh, unforgettable. And you and I decided it together to take that. We lived in Los Angeles, and we were pregnant from, from Miss Amelie. And... Uh, 
you had your team of people on the phone and we were trying to decide if you should take take that job, which was filming in New York, the city you love. So what was it, how did it feel having to choose to take a job or not just because? Well, there were some specific things. First of all, when, when, when there's, you agree to do a pilot, you don't know what you're getting into. It could just be the pilot. In fact, the chances are it is just the pilot. It doesn't go forward. But I had learned, you know, being in the business 30 years, that you better have a fantasy or imagine what would it feel like to do the thing for six or seven years, because that can happen too. And if it's something that you're not really into, you really have to think hard on. Uh, for me, it was, it was a question of, of you know, I had, I had three kids in Los Angeles and choosing to go do a show in New York was, was, it wasn't automatic to say yes, even though New York is my favorite place on the planet. So there was that issue. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm an actor. I have to go, I have to go with the work was what, what I decided. But I feel like when we made that decision, there was a real sense of this is a possible adventure. Let's, let's go for that. It was a great decision. I'm so glad we made that choice. Um, so Unforgettable was the first show that I was with you for the whole process. You made a pilot. We waited for it to get picked up. It got picked up. We moved to New York. Um, it was number one hit drama at the beginning and then slowly deteriorated <laughs> over a year. Uh, it's still a really hard experience to talk about uh, just some of the disappointments and the whole ride of that for me I can only imagine how it is for you um, what did you take away from that experience people you worked with how well, it ended? I, I mean mostly New York uh, I had started in the business in New York back in the 80s and I it's always been my favorite city and you know my career really took me to LA and kept me in LA for a long time. And to go back to the city I love and, and, and kind of come at it from a different angle as an older person um, and, and to really plug into it on that level was great. And, and the, the show was the show. Look, it, there were some great people, Ed Redlick and Spencer Hudnut and, and some of the people are, I'm still friends with and it, and it meant a lot to me. Um, but really the big trade-off was that it was New York. Well, New York led us to Lafayette. Um, we've been here now three years. But that first year, how was it being away from the industry? You did travel a lot to different cities to go work. Um, but that, you know, it was kind of a strain, you not being in the cities where your work is. Yeah, that's the hard part. That's the trade-off when it comes to Lafayette. It was great for our family at that time, at this time, as it keeps going. Um, but for me, uh, that's the first time in 30 plus years that I had been somewhere other than New York or Los Angeles, where you kind of have to be if you're an actor. If you're a big star, then you can live anywhere. But I'm not a big star. I'm somebody who's done a lot of work, and I'm, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm an actor. I have a resume with a, with a bunch of stuff on it, a few big highlights and some mediocre stuff. And, and the point is, I string together work. It's how I make a living. It's, it's, uh, it's, um, it's something that I've taken care of and you know, over 30 plus years. And to suddenly be away from the business and have to fly in here and there for meetings and, 
it's been a challenge. Um, it's also that the business is ch uh, changing rapidly and I'm getting older. So, so the, the playing field is different. And while it's changing, I'm not in either big city. So that's been hard. Well, when you first got here and you got the job, no, the pilot, right? For Life Sentence. And it was in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. We filmed in Atlanta, right? Yeah. And so we signed on for Atlanta, thinking that's where the, the show would be filmed, which is just a plane ride away from, from Lafayette. Um, and this is how the business works. It, it's, it's very challenging to figure out your life, navigate you know, your family life, whether we go with him, whether we stay. And this time it changed to, the location changed to Vancouver, which is not a plane right away. It's a whole country away. Um, so what was that like whenever you found out your job was so far away from where your family was going to be? Well, I think I'm more used to it than you are. So for me, I, it doesn't come as, as a big shock. Um, I still was surprised. I was still surprised because so many shows are shooting in Atlanta now. And I think literally the problem is they're just running out of, out of a, a pool Space. of people to crew, to oh, crew okay. shows. They have so many things working there. Um, they're inventing space as they go, and that, and that had something to do with it, too. Um, you know, you need these stages, and you need uh, a certain kind of personnel that runs that stuff, and something had opened up, and another show got it. Anyway, long story short, uh, yeah, suddenly we were shooting in Vancouver, where I had worked before many times. Um, but yeah, in terms of, of deciding to take the show and thinking it might be in Atlanta, and then suddenly it's much further away. Yeah, it's tough. But, you know, um, originally... Uh, the first TV series I ever did, uh, we shot the pilot in Chicago. We shot the show in Los Angeles. Um, we shot Brooklyn South, the pilot in New York, but we shot the whole show in Los Angeles. Uh, people forget, but or never knew, but I'll tell you, Nip Tuck was shot in San Diego, and we thought we were going to have to live in San Diego. And then uh, as things came together going forward after the pilot, they turned it into Los Angeles. So I'm kind of used to it. Um, and I don't take it too seriously at the beginning. I kind of wait to see where the thing's going to land. But, you know, it's part, it is part of the business. So did you ever even film in Miami? We filmed a couple of quick, wide shots in Miami. What we mostly did in Miami was promote the show because mm -hmm. it looked like it was in Miami or it was meant to look like it was Miami. To keep that illusion going, we did go there uh, a handful of times over the years to promote it. So back to Life Sentence, when uh, you were gone for six months, I think before that, the longest we had been apart was maybe three weeks? Yeah, that's true. Three that's weeks? true. There were some long passages in there uh, where I couldn't get home and you guys came out to visit me for Thanksgiving. Um, well, you know, we, we made it work. Uh, it can be worse. I hear about people shooting shows in Australia. <laughs> uh, I'm about to go and do an episode of something that shoots in Prague, which must be tough for the people who are regulars on that show. But um, yeah, it was tricky. Well, and it is also tricky because now the kids are in school. So when we first got together, I thought, oh, we'll, we'll always be with you and this will be this great adventure. And um, it didn't quite pan out that way just because the kids are settled and um, it's a little bit trickier now to figure out when we go meet you. 
Um, and this show was a perfect example because I think if you and I would have bet money on it, we'd have bet that it had been, uh, you know, seven years or, or a hit at least. And it um, drastically was not. So, and it changed our dynamic of our family. We moved into a different house. We were pretty much set on it going and then it didn't. Um, so again, another, another TV show canceled. How do you... Oh, that's that. the, I'm lucky that I keep doing them. I mean, it, it, it really is, we forget, it's like, a, it's like a hitter in baseball. You really only get a hit if you're really good. One out of every three times you go up to bat. Um, what do you, how do you feel about those other two times? I think when you do TV pilots, really, it's, you know, one out of, if, you, if you're good and you're lucky and you're, you, you, uh, then you're, you're getting, what, one out of five, one out of ten? I mean, I'm, I'm lucky these things are going, and it is the norm that they don't make it. I, I will say I thought this one would keep going. It had a lot going for it, and, and on a platform that I thought was going to be very forgiving of, of ratings, and, and in the end, <laughs> we didn't make it. Here we are. So during this time that we've been in Lafayette, uh, I seem to have gotten involved in politics, uh, can you even believe that? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's amazing. Um, I have to say, I, I, I know that you had very little knowledge about politics. And, and, but I think this happened to a lot of people uh, with the result of the election, that, that some people just were blown away. And, and, and that's really me. I, I'm still in a state of shock, and I don't think I do enough. I don't do anything. Um, whereas you uh, completely uh, used it, or it used you, <laughs> to uh, kind of propel you forward into this whole world of, of what can I do? What can I do to promote change and, and to, to help um, without going into Republican versus Democrat, just to help. And you've done an amazing job. and. and your group here has grown, and and you're the head of it, and I'm really, really proud of what you've done with it. Well, thank you. So I started a group called the Lady Dems of Acadiana, and I suddenly got busy. I was, you know, basically just mom to my two kids and and Dee's girl before, and uh, now I had meetings and places to be and people to talk to, and how do you think that changed our family dynamic? Well, in combination with the fact that we were now away from where I have my industry, I was, I was the, I'm here to watch the kids, and, and that was good for me. I needed to have, you know, my kids to kind of invest in emotionally in every other way because I didn't have my job here. And meanwhile, you were very busy. So, uh, you know, I, I was happy to do that. You'd done it for me when we were in New York. And, um, but yeah, that I was pretty much holding down the fort at home. Um, and you were off doing things. And I think, that, I think the relationship now that you have with the kids, and when you're here, you're so present and hands-on with them. Um, and it's very admirable. Um, for me to watch how close you guys have become. I mean, sometimes I'm the fourth wheel. <laughs> I'm like, hello, what about me? Um, but it is pretty amazing, and uh, I love watching you guys do your little thing. Um, so 
I, I mean, you said you don't do anything, but you have been a pivotal role in my educational process of learning about politics, which, like you said, I didn't know, I didn't care or pay attention to before. But, uh, you know, one of my favorite things is to ask your opinion and uh, get your thoughts, which are always lining up with mine, which is a good thing. Um, but where do you get your news from these days? Well, to be clear, first of all, I don't know any more about politics than you do. I have a layman's understanding of how things work. I'm, I'm almost 10 years older than you, and maybe I have that. Uh, but like anybody, I'm tuning in to CNN, uh, New York Times, uh, Washington Post, LA Times, and, and I am glued to it. I think I talk to other people uh, who are the same. Um, a lot of my friends in LA do the same thing. Uh, to the point where we've had to kind of try to wean ourselves off of it a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not some expert. Believe me, there's so much I don't know. It's just that when we talk, because you and I aren't in politics, we aren't even particularly near it. Uh, you know, I, I think it kind of frees us up to just talk from our hearts and, and what we feel emotionally. And then which then causes the important thing, which is the critical thinking, which is, which is real questioning maybe your own emotional response sometimes, uh, maybe wondering, having a little bit of self-doubt is important, um, to refine these opinions so that they're not just emotional. Yeah, but that's been a great process for us since, uh, since the election. So the other night we were watching a documentary on uh, JFK and you started speaking about your parents and how, how your life with them, which they're both passed away now, but um, how your, your father's job kind of influenced your, your political mindset. Um, your dad was in the Foreign Service and he was a diplomat. Yeah, he was, uh, when he and my mom met, they were both living in Addis Ababa, Africa, both working for the Foreign Service. Uh, my dad originally from Texas, my mom originally from California. So that they were, they, and he worked for the government, uh, he switched after, when I was about 10, he switched over to the Department of Energy, but, um, and we lived just outside of Washington, D.C. He worked for the government his whole career. So you traveled a lot until, until what age? We travel a lot. I grew up traveling. I, I uh, traveled a lot and then we settled in Virginia when I was around 10. So uh, after that, he wasn't a diplomat so that we weren't traveling for his job after that. What was your favorite? Do you have a favorite country or a favorite place? You know, from a kid's experience? point of view, it's, it's going to end up being more about, you know, the house. And for me, where my parents seemed happiest, which, which to me seemed like Madras, India. I was about five years old, and they seemed very happy. My dad must have been doing very well. Uh, and because we would have these big parties, that was part of his job, was to host these parties as a diplomat. Um, and so then my memories include all that. And, and it has very little to do with India per se, because I was a little bit, uh, well, I don't know, protected being a diplomat's kid. But... Um, even India, though, I remember their interest in India, which fed mine. I mean, I, I as a five-year-old, it's very different. But 
but uh, everything about it seemed like, and I know they were very upset to have to leave after two or three years. So um, I guess that one stands out, India. And your mom liked it. She was, you know, a socialite per se, and she liked the parties and the... Yeah, she wasn't really a socialite. She was more introverted person who loved to travel and had a great curiosity about the world. That's why she joined the Foreign Service. She wanted to find about, out about the world. To be honest, she thought she was going to be going to places like Paris and <laughs> Zurich, and, and she ended up being posted in Addis Africa. But she embraced it. She, loved, she always loved the adventure, and so that she took on that Part. I mean, she resigned from the Foreign Service once they had me. And as the wife of somebody in the Foreign Service, she, she took part in that aspect of it, the social aspect of it. But she embraced it. She had a lot of friends. They, 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 uh, they had a pretty active, fun life. So what do you think, this, how, do you, how would you say the state of the country is right now for I, you? Personally, for me personally, for well, my personal view is probably like a lot of people's. I think it's uh, divided in more ways than we even admit to, and a, a, a crassness has come out of us as a as a country that that isn't just something to uh, to kind of shrug your shoulders about. We're not just talking about the person in the room who is kind of off putting. We're becoming as a country, the person in the room that, that people don't like. Uh, we don't uphold, we don't seem to stand for values that people admire. We're, 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 there's a part of us, a part of our nature that's coming out and coming to the forefront that is marking us uh, in terms of reputation, in terms of how people want to deal with us economically or just in terms of how we, they deal with us as, in terms of humanity. And this is all going to affect us. You don't feel it right away. All you care about is your, is your bank account most of the time. But these things will trickle down and they will affect your bank account uh, eventually. But also, who do you want to be? Who do you, you want to be that person in the room just so you could get a few more bucks? Um, eventually, it'll come back to haunt you. Anyway, end of my, my lecture. <laughs> lecture. He's good at lectures. Um, but you have five kids, uh, two of which are Adults now in the real world. Uh, Tom is how old? 22. 22. Joe is 21. Stella is 15. And then, and then my seven and six year old, almost six year old. Um, so what, what do you want for them? Well, I, I, that's part of my worry. I think that's a lot of what a lot of people tell you emotionally is what world are we handing to our kids? Um, and that's why I care so much about civility and how you carry yourself and character, all of which seem to have been underestimated or dismissed or ignored or certainly uh, avoided during this last election, because that's what I care about. That's what I care about for my kids. Uh, I want them, of course, to be, be in the economic world, uh, uh, plugged in some way. I want them to just be able to make money and survive, but that isn't the end game. I want, I want so much more for them in terms of just meaning and, and what they get out of this, this what this gift of life is. So uh, I, I hope that we are not handing them just this, just this fiery ball, <laughs> uh, but that we, we can get our act together and hand them a better place.
So how do you think that I personally can affect change in Lafayette or Louisiana? How do I think you can? Mm -hmm. Well, you're doing it. You're, you're, first of all, you, you don't just wave a banner of being Democrat. I, I, that, in this day and age, I think that's a mistake. Uh, I, I, it doesn't, we'll put it this way, it doesn't get you very far. Um, what you've been doing with your group is, is look at the community, try to ask yourselves and ask other people and listen to what, what is needed. Uh, Lafayette in particular is a divided city, like so many cities, maybe every city, but, but so many cities. Uh, there's a rich part and a poor part, and the people born into the poor part didn't ask to be born there. And so there's certain areas, like with schools and, and, and in terms of what, what simple things aren't provided for the students in these schools, as opposed to the schools across the railroad tracks, so to speak. Um, and you guys have been looking into that kind of stuff and trying to help where you can. And, and also, uh, I think a lot of what you guys do is bring awareness, um, which, which helps that problem to kind of bridge the gap between the, the rich and the poor. Uh, there, there's a lot of money in Lafayette, um, and there aren't very many sidewalks. <laughs> this is my, my <laughs> beef, and I make fun of it. I make fun of it, but it, but it shows you something. It shows you that there's money here, and yet there are certain fundamental things they don't care about uh, um, that, that where the money isn't trickling to. Um, there's a lot of talk about a multi-billion dollar uh, throughway that'll, that'll make this kind of a more big, uh, kind of a big time city. And, and, and before you do that, get some sidewalks. Uh, but no, you guys, you guys have done a lot. And, and I think the, the best part is you've given people who have some doubts about about the, the politics in this state. You've given a, pl uh, a place for them to come and, and sit and listen and, and, have, and have a voice. And that might be the best thing you've done uh, with that group. Well, thank you. Uh, so now the big question is, uh, do we stay in Lafayette? We've been talking a little bit about Moving to Los Angeles, where uh, you would need to get a job, uh, but somehow when we talk about the scenarios, nothing quite works. So, as a provider, uh, what what do you what are your thoughts for our family for the future? Well, uh, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. It's it's also personal to our family. I mean, it's this is an ongoing discussion for us and really doesn't you know relate to Lafayette. Lafayette's been a great place for us. We came here originally because your family's from here and we felt like that would be a good good place for us for a little while after being in in New York and it was good for would be good for our kids and it has been. It's been absolutely great. Uh, we have them in fantastic schools that happen to be private which is which is unfortunate because I'm a big believer in public schools. But public schools need a little help here. Um, I'm not saying they aren't, there aren't good ones. Um, it's something we're still working on understanding and, and looking at different ways, what we might need to do to uh, get our kids into public school. That, that, you know, two kids, just for us, I have three other ones, so I know this. Uh, two kids going through school, private school, can, can be, <laughs> you better know what your income's going to be. And I'm at a point in my career where my income's very up and down, really great. And then there's some, some uh, 
know, some, there's periods of time where I'm not getting those big paychecks, so we have a lot to think about. But anyway, this is all, you know, I don't know how this relates to other people. I mean, this is probably um, something unique among the people of Lafayette. I, I think most of them, most people who are from here want to stay here, I find. And that's right. a good sign. Yes. It says yes. a lot about what right. kind of town it is. It doesn't seem to be us. We seem to like to travel. I mean, we've been, how many, we, we talk about our, our life experience through the street we lived on. We lived like eight different yeah, addresses. I think that's true, yeah. Been together about eight or nine years and we've been as, in as many different places to live. It's crazy. It is crazy. But for now, we are staying in Lafayette. And you will travel and waiting on the next job that may take us somewhere else. But we're going to live in the moment, I guess, and appreciate where we are. And I appreciate you doing this interview with oh, of me. Of course. It was fun. Of course. Um, so thank you, baby. Well, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs>